Welcome to episode 3 of Conversation, season 2. My name is Dario Tanger, and our guest today is Emilian Castro. Um, I may say that completely wrong, but uh, Emilian, uh, just a quick introduction about yourself. Uh, it seems here that you are a faculty at Mesa Community College, and I mean, I'm very interested to really see or learning about your outlook on emerging technologies, something called the metaverse. Um, in this episode, um, you will, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy that the guests, um, the audience, and, and yourself will really um, learn another direction that may, uh, that they may not already know about the metaverse and its beneficial impact, and particularly in education. Um, can, can, you, can you add a little bit about that? Yeah, so if we think of what the metaverse is, if you've heard of the phrase the metaverse, basically what it is, it's just like the internet, right? Except it's immersive. It's instead of reading words on a web page, you can go in it like you're in a video game. So it's immersive. It's always on, just like life is happening at all times in the physical world. This is a digital space that life is happening at all times. Um, So consider this like the next version of the Internet or one of the parts of the next version of the Internet. Just just to hold you short, Amelian, first of all, please sit up properly. Amelian. 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 Right. Am as an I am. Okay. I'm Amelian. Am Iklin. I think we settled. Um, but to really <laughs> <laughs> to forget your name, it's too difficult. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what, what I said. I no, said, no, no, I understand. I said I said let's let's try to hear more about the metaverse and, and really how you are involved with the metaverse. So like, can you please help the audience learn? really what what your story is there oh sure so um my path is decentralized education so i am a faculty at mesa community college and i'm in institutional education right um but my fascination with decentralized education came um from When I'm teaching as a counseling faculty, I teach first year experience. And in that experience, students started to communicate how they weren't learning that which they wanted to learn. Right? And I don't know if that has always been where students were complaining. I don't like what we're learning. I don't think it's important. Yeah. But I did start to see that pattern over and over again. And um, I studied thriving when I was working on my dissertation um, in a community college. And one of the elements of thriving is not the way that we were being educated, right? The the aspects of community, of having um, a purpose, of making an impact, those kind of things. So with education reform, a lot of it is going towards project-based learning, doing real-world problem-solving while you're learning a concept. And the metaverse place is perfect environment to kind of capture that new way of learning. Because I can't necessarily get my students a vehicle to change out an engine, right? The cost of it is astronomical. 
but they definitely can go into an immersive space and like virtual reality and work on a model of a car and play with it that way. Yeah. I mean, like you've said a lot here, like so much that I need to first take a step back to understand, but I'm, I'm really focusing on the audience here, right? You have really touched on some really key, key points, some metaverse reform concepts, decentralization, but let's try to break it down here, right? Let's, let's come back down to the 2D environment. Um, let's let's look at uh, can you can you help the audience with really grasping this concept called Web three point um, and how it's reimagining education. Um, just just to show you a few examples here, um, as you have mentioned, uh, a major drawback for uh, of the present education system is its um, inability to develop practical skills among learners, as 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 you have really touched on. But um, most of most recent studies um, are really vested uh, um, in securing good grades rather than building knowledge. Um, this, this, this course reflected on the mark sheet. I mean, um, your GPA, your grade points, all those things are really examples of where good grades reflect knowledge. Um, but how does a Web3 um, education model really um, um, make a difference in education? It's a paradigm change. So the, all Web3 is, is is all these tools, right, that we can use to collaborate together without just one central power. Um, and when you think about the new way that we're learning, it requires that we get out of the institution telling us what to do. In this new digital space, there's nobody there to tell you what to do because we're building it as we're in it. It's not there and it's going to be handed to us like people think Facebook is happening with Meta, that they're just going to build this thing and hand it to us. It's like, again, like web pages. People own them, right? Each web page is an expression of somebody's vision. That's what the metaverse space will become. It will be all these expressions of people's visions, right? So with myself and many other people that are looking at this education transition, right, more decentralized and reforming it to project-based learning, it's a new paradigm, a new space where we can do that. Now, what we're finding is happening, like Victory XR, they're one of the leaders in that immersive um, education space is twinning, right? So making a copy or clone of the institutions that exist today. And then bridging the people from that institutional mindset to this infinite mindset. I respect that in one terms, as I've been told many times, that people cannot go from nothing to something, right? If, if we're humans in general, we're not quick to flip like that. So what Victory XR is doing is they're using that which we know, the classroom setting, we're not having them do it just in the living room. A lot of times these are on college campuses that a student will actually use the headset and immerse themselves. But consider that we're bridging them, right? We're not just saying, hey, from the classroom, just hop into this immersive space. We're helping them transition slowly. They will be creating the metaverse. Those that enter the metaverse to experience all this stuff and learn the tools 
will be the creators of the space. So my target audience are eight years old right now. <laughs> They're not quite there yet. I mean, we've lowered the age down to 11 years old for project-based learning. Um, but the like my nephew is eight years old and he's already creating things on um, Roblox, which is a 2D kind of in the metaverse or central because it's all under one central control. Um, so we're not quite there yet. You know, you, we're building it. So then uh, you mentioned paradigm change and then you're saying that we're not quite there yet. Yeah. Um, I, where, where are you at? Like, what is the most, um, like, what's a good story that is really an example? I mean, you mentioned... I would say the dot-com. When the dot-com started up, like, let's take us back to we're in the cycle of the 90s again. Okay. When we, the internet just started up. I mean, I got my first computer in 1995, right, when I was in high school. First thing, AOL, dial-up. Horrible. So if we consider what the internet is today, where it's very accessible. There's so many new pages now. At that time, there were very few. It was very slow. And it was kind of limited in the imagination of how you used it. But now, um, the internet is basically kind of use the metaverse times a decade. Where will that be? Right? So we have to see that progression in the technology. So I don't think that we're there yet. My own experience of all the metaverse spaces um, I don't think that education tomorrow will be in there. But I do believe the way of our thinking, the way that we learn, again, learning to create, learning to problem solve rather than learning to perform on a test. And do you think this is really a good idea for like um, a specific caliber for universities or are we looking more for the general public here? I mean, you have um, a high demand for virtual classes online online schooling, online high schools, right? So is this really an idea or a product that will um, attract more um, education for like low income or is it a matter of like attracting um, education for, um, for uh, a marginalized population? Well, there are many people working on this, but unfortunately, I'm finding what happens is when it comes out of the gate, it's extremely expensive, right? So the people that always have the resources are the ones that are given the technology first. Um, I would prefer that it go to every human on the planet that has a smartphone or anything can access it, um, access it. But unfortunately, um, like the virtual reality education is going through the universities and only a few. So you have to be able to access them through that or you have to be able to afford a headset, right? Um, so accessibility is not for everybody yet. But now, like, let's go to the future of work. I mean, um, a lot of what you're saying is describing something called micro-credentials. Yes. Um, does that have to do with blockchain industry or is there another reimagined? Or is it another form of reimagining education for the 21st century? And so what can you add to the micro-credential concept and the access portion? So micro-credentials, if you think about what qualifies you to do a job, right? Um, before, the only thing that qualified you for a lot of jobs is you have to have a degree, right? Get through those four years, we don't even care what degree, just make sure that you're at that level. But it doesn't always translate a degree to a job because it doesn't necessarily mean that you have all the skills that you need, correct? 
Well, you can be get a credential for demonstrating a skill, and then that skill will allow you to apply for different jobs. You can do that in both the normal internet that we have now in Web 2, as we say, and Web 3. For example, I'm taking um, training from the ACUE, Accredited Colleges University Education thing. And in that, every time I finish a module, a section of learning, they give me a badge. And after I finish so many of those small badges, which are skill-based, I get a general badge, which is facilitating diverse students in an educational environment or something. So they give me the badges as a JPEG. Now, oh cool, copy and paste that on my LinkedIn, <laughs> right? Put it on my website, maybe a picture on my resume. But when you put it in Web 3.0, it goes in my wallet, my private wallet that can interact and get access to things because I meet the qualification, right? So that's blockchain, and that's another tool. Well, that is basically, if you think about what the Web 3 tools are using, right? The blockchain, the file system. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I um, think for me, I, I need to, to help understand it more, break it down. But for the audience as well, how, how can we really now distinguish between blockchain and Web 3.0? All tools. tools. All tools. Yeah. Blockchain, think of it, I think of it as yeah. a file system. So That's what helps me, a secure file system. What's right? a good example like Microsoft Explorer? Or is that, is that a good analogy? That's a file system. Basically, everything is on a ledger, okay. right? Okay. So I make this out of accounting, not, <laughs> you know, a ledger system. Anything that happens is documented. There's transparency on it. Okay. But that's not like held in a server in Microsoft's, you know, in Microsoft's company or something. It's decentralized, meaning everybody is connecting, kind of like the Internet, you okay. know? They can't necessarily turn off the Internet, but they can turn off the central server. With the blockchain, you can't turn off a central server because there isn't one. Then, then now to bring it back, I mean, like, I see the picture, I understand it. Right? I'm, I'm focused on the audience to really help them grasp really how this technology um, have impact in their lives. So, uh, okay. so if I consider um, the average, let's say an average American living in Arizona, right? That's your audience. Most of them have not even heard of this technology other than something like crypto, right? That's something that's um, basically the, the way to monetize um, investments. Uh, it's the currency that makes it move. I look at crypto as energy that we make things move. Right, like we do money yeah. in our economy, but crypto's the economy of that, how we make everything move. Um, so they've heard of that. They've heard of NFTs, right, non-fungible tokens. So basically, um, it's recorded on the blockchain, okay. on the ledger, transparent. That means it's ownership, and you can't say, oh, I own that. But you don't really, because it's everybody can see who owns it. That's the value of NFT. And it's not just about imagery. It's about membership. It's about whatever you need a contract for, basically. So they've heard of those things. And they're like, how is that going to impact my day-to-day -day life? It's the same thing as um, all the technology, right? So right now, how do you use the Internet? Well, I use Google. 
and I get on my nose. Okay, so I use my MetaMask wallet and then I access whatever um, platform that I'm in. So in Decentraland is one of the immersive metaverse places. And in order for me to get into Decentraland and play around, do things, I need my wallet, which is my identity. So I take my identity and I go in these immersive spaces. I have my micro-credentials. And it's not like just me saying it. And I don't need a middleman like an institution to validate it, right? right? So I can get micro-credentials from an edX, from a Coursera. I don't have to go to the MITs. But MIT, just like they have um, open source education, they may offer badges to everybody that wants to do it rather than trying to get admitted, right, to their programs. So, um, and now again, decentralized. We're getting more people (laughs) access Unless in the center. Um, so how does it impact you again? Um, the tools. You're going to start noticing the tools and how they're used. But can we really see one of these quick pictures? We would just think of when the wallet, or the physical wallet, was yeah. in the market where I wasn't around then, but my wallet is my identity. It has my credit card, it has my ID, it has my insurance card, it has... Sometimes, you know, folded up degree called diploma, uh, where I can show to an employer, you know, if they say, hey, validate your degree. I have this piece of paper that is folded into, you know, hey, I graduated. Uh, but now, going back now to what you're talking about, you know, in the metaverse, where um, users or, you know, like, uh, um, I mean, users would have all these same tools. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. So your wallet is secure with you, right? Kind of unless you lose it. Your wallet in the digital world is secure unless you lose your seed code, right? Your seed phrase, which is kind of like your password kind of thing. Um, You've heard stories of that before, people losing their access to their wallet. It's like if you lost your wallet, right? So all of that exactly still same exists. And the example you gave to your physical is stuff. But now let's transition now back to the main topic, right? Metaverse and education here. Like nothing to really try at you, but then how does all this connect back to education? Meaning that uh, it sounds more of a social usability for the average user. But now going back to the core focus, education, is it is it like how do students use use this to carry books or would you be able to carry um your uh laptop in the main, 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 main well, again, yeah, anything that you can imagine in a digital format, you can have in your wallet, okay. right? Anything. It could be books, it could be audio, it could be models, it could be anything that you own digitally will be housed in your wallet. Um, but then when you go into these immersive spaces, just imagine you have like an empty office, nothing's in there. It's what the people bring in. Okay. Right? So when we have this empty space, it's people like me, education reformers, or whatever we call ourselves. Education reformers? Yeah. We come into the space right. with a new paradigm and offer it that way. So we're not coming into this immersive new space and saying, I'm going to stand in front and lecture and you're going to take a test. No. We're coming in and saying, hey, instead of just reading about whales, why don't you swim next to them? Interesting. Right? Why don't we immerse ourselves into this ecosystem 
rather than it being so distant and separate from us. That, that can be a good idea for, you know, education, for example, or building a concept, strong concept, but also, I mean, you have to look at engineering, like, I mean, would you rather read a textbook or would you rather um, play with some sort of virtual um, screwdriver? Remember that education institutions have resources, labs, tools, models, all of that, right? Highly expensive. So accessible to anybody is not possible. But when it's digital, now it doesn't cost so much, right? Again, if you have a model. It's not cost. So you don't have to go to the lab to play with the lasers. You can go to the metaverse space, your education space, and play with the lasers. I took a class with MIT that was um, robotics. And when we went in there, there were so many different ways that we learned. We got to go in 360 video and walk around some of the robotics labs that they actually have and see the prototypes that they're working on. We got to go in and, and work on a circuitry and actually put the pieces together. We got to see this huge uh, machine and see where all the circuitry exists and that kind of thing. And we are avatars, right, going in. This is all in the virtual environment. Yeah, like a video I'm game. I'm thinking you are like in a physical tangible. No. Wow. You see, our soul. We are basically having our minds right. go into like a video game. Because if you imagine that, it could be 2D or 3D. It could be like virtual reality or it could be on your phone. Okay. Right? Yeah. But the whole point is, is it feels immersive. It's not just words. You're seeing things. You're hearing things. It's interacting with your outside world. Right. All kinds of stuff. Um, they have this really cool avatar thing that I just saw where it's um, augmented reality. Okay. Right? So it is sitting like you do with your phone on Snapchat. Have you done that before where something appears in the real world through your phone? I'm not Oh, okay. A simple inversion. The audience has this. Go into Google and type in a dog. Okay. And then Google will allow you to place that dog in the room that you're in, virtually. Okay. That's basically augmented reality. It's a small tool that's part of this aspect. So, what are you learning? You're learning about... Um, I don't know, like sediments in the way. <laughs> Geography. You can have it in your room and interact with it. But like, but like, it seems like there's a vast pool of you know, of resources here that you know, like, um, um, end users really get access to. But let's narrow it down to one particular tool. You have been seeing it all tremendously now, and let's let's focus on which one do you want? There's so many. Victory XO. What yeah. is that? And and like, what is the correlation between Victory XL or like an immersive learning? Like, what is what is Victory XL for the audience to know about? Um, and and what does it have to do with immersive learning? So Victory XR is a company, okay. right? That ha is kind of leading this. Well, I say they're leading. I'm sure that their competitors are like, oh, we're giving Pico <laughs> the Victory XR F experience for them taking their classes. I know their quality of their products. This is biased in what you're saying. I can only speak that which I know and have experienced. Okay. okay. Um, so the Victory XR specifically, they're all about the VR headset, right? 
There's other companies that we're working on augmented reality. There's other companies that are working on centralized metaverses like Roblox, right? So if you think about what each of these specializations are, it's what their focus are. Victory XR is creating worlds within virtual reality for education. And what they do is they twin that which is existing and help bridge people over into this infinite space. So they start them in the classroom, but then they can go into the ocean. Makes sense? So they're, they're kind of like taking what we're comfortable with into a virtual space. And then once you're more comfortable, you can go off into infinite imagination. Gotcha. But people can't go into infinite imagination because they're like, what is this? It's a video game, right? You don't want to go into school with monsters and on some planet and all that kind of stuff. Right. You wouldn't be able to get there yet because you're thinking school must be structured, rigid, faculty, da-da-da. Your mindset is in education in that way. But our kids that are coming up, right, the eight-year-olds, they're not going to be looking for a classroom with a teacher in front. They're going to be looking at when I go to learn math, I go into dinosaur world and I do this and I do that, whatever it is. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So and that has to do with decentralized education, how? Well, decentralized education is taking it out of the hands of the institution, right? More and more people are working on it and it's not one controlled source. So the teacher that is listening to this um podcast is probably like this 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 my job or well, okay, so teachers coming to play. I look at this like the address of the world. Right? So right now we teach in person, you can teach online, you can turn to video, you can teach, there's so many ways that you can do. Virtual reality would just be another way. Augmented reality would be another way. The coaching app for project-based learning is another way. Educators are always educators, no matter the space or time, right? right? But now we are not saying follow me and taking 25 to 300 students sometimes, right? on a journey that I'm going on. Right. Now, they're deciding what to do. The students? Yes, the learners. Right. They don't have to be students, right? Just people, they're learning. But consider you're working on something you want to figure out, I don't know how this works. And you can just reach over, ping somebody and say, hey, come teach me. And they can come and teach and they can coach or they can help you what resources you need deeper than at that moment, those kind of things. Individualized, um, Access, right? And you think, how is that possible? Why don't we have that now? Well, we can't logistically when we're in the physical world, but remember, just like our gig economy allows us to work less and get more done, when we're in that type of environment, we can educate more, have greater impact with less resources. It sounds like the, the overall benefit. I mean, yes, there are some in the drawbacks of the whole motion sickness with virtual reality, but however, it seems to overall for education, um, immersive learning has a potential benefit where not only is it potential, but it's actually practical where parents, learn, learners, institutions are really um, opening this new book where um, learning becomes fun. Is that It's basically we are changing our paradigm of thought of how we learn along with the new technology that allows us to do it that way. So now let's wrap things up here, right? Uh, what, what are some things that you think the audience should kind of um, know more about immersive learning that is really um, public? 
Okay, so number one, they have to use curiosity. We've kind of lost our curiosity, right? What does that mean, use curiosity? Like wondering, what is this? What's possible here? Where's this going to be? Because again, we're creating it as we go in, this space, right? So we can't just say, tell me. We have to go and follow our curiosity. Because everybody's going to have a different path, too. You know, when I talk to my students about this, it's, it's almost like taking ownership of your learning as if you were a child as an adult. Because as an adult, when we think about learning, we've been conditioned that that means a teacher gives me something, I memorize it, I take a test, I do this. We think that's learning. But how did you... Yeah! And instead, now learning must be active, participatory. We don't sit in chairs and just listen to a lecture. You don't do that in the real world anymore. What do you do when you listen to your podcast? You might be driving, you might be doing this, you might work. Actually, sitting down and having food. I've been listening to podcasts and having a good meal. Actually, I think I, I eat slower, you know, it's more digestive. I, I stay, stay longer at the restaurant and I eat more. We didn't even have the option to learn in that way before. So going to class, sitting there and giving utmost respect to the person that's giving you a one-way conversation now has changed. So then let's wrap it up now. Um, I mean, I think I got a right. Um, but, but Amelie... Amelie. Yes, Amelie. I think you were putting another syllable in there. Amelie. Yes. Uh, what, what drew you to this? I mean, like most people are really, I think, hiking or skydiving. Mm-hmm. But you are here talking about metaverse and education. Like, what drew you to this? My, my students' pain. Oh. My students' pain. Okay. Um, and obviously some of my own, too, right? Yeah. My learning, because I love of learning is my number one value. Okay. Like, everything about my expression is love of learning. And um, I didn't know this when I was not <laughs> teaching, right? But when I started teaching, I was like, why don't people love learning? And I would ask those questions. And they're like, because we're not learning what we want to learn. We're doing this because you tell us we have to or will we lose her? Not me. I would never say that to them. <laughs> but meaning society says you must do it this way. And when they complain and say this isn't work for us, a lot of times the response they get is tough. We did it, you will do it too. Right? But now generations are really getting bold and they're like, we're not doing this anymore. So that's why I got curious in this is I started to see where my students were. I started to see the younger generations, what they were doing. And they are building stuff. Well, and we're just doing the same thing. I believe this is a good um, introduction to seeing really what's up some of the emerging technologies, so uh, made of verse, web to as well as really um like entering the next frontier really um of um, um unlocking um learners potential, right? And and that happened in the past. I mean a new not a, a new angle, a new perspective of really um really yeah just giving students or learners um, a much more beneficial education. So I think this was a good podcast episode, and I really thank you for coming. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you. Say my name again.